in a world where the requirements of developing capitalism are incompatible with the capitalist forms of production, the crisis is acute. Capitalism strives to break the fetters and annihilate the multiplying contradictions through state capitalism and imperialism, only to strengthen the fetters and increase the contradictions, resulting in a mad, violent, and destructive world war. The economic and social, the political and national basis of capitalism are now fetters upon the forces of production. One plush bear and one flesh woman aim to break these fetters. And your heart. It's knackers. And the vag. Siblings, comrades, those of you who press the play button by mistake, reverse it at once, and bugger off. This is knackers. Knackers, knackers, and the vag, vag, vag. I am the vag, a woman of a certain age who is marshaled by a bear and buoyed by the good comrades of the Patreon thing, you know, where you 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 give me money in order that I can make food for podcast guests. How was the food, Stephen Jolly, counsellor? It was very good. I didn't like the custard, but lucky. It wasn't custard. It was effing Fiordalate mozzarella and you gorgeous. left it. You didn't eat it. I did. I did. I and just left didn't... a little bit of egg noodle. It was just out of respect. And uh, that's what we do in Ireland. Leave 10% of leftover for the for the fairies. And other than that, not. I you swallowed it and it was beautiful. Right. Stephen Jolly, this is, this is for you, Angus. Uh, for your $15 per month contribution. What an investment. Which I understand. Fuck you. Um, which I, uh, counsellor. Um, so so uh, anyway, tell everybody I hand-rolled your pasta. You did, and it took you a good hour. And, uh, it's because I was talking. Yeah, I know, but it was very, very, I was very honoured and it was beautiful. And I did leave 10% behind, but it wasn't out of disrespect. It was just a, an Irish it's thing, a Dublin like, thing. More like 40. Um, rubbish. How was the brownie that I made you with the my own fan? absolutely gorgeous. Mm. I could smell it coming up the driveway. Why did you leave the strawberry garnish, Stephen Jolly? Well, you know, where I come from, the only fruit that you would have would be like a, a, a bruised apple. So strawberries I didn't really get into until I was a teenager, so I might yeah. just keep them for the drive home. Oh, keep on weaponizing your oppressed <laughs> Irish identity. Works for me. Um, so, so I've heard. Uh, Angus, who gives me money, and it is – it could be conceived of as money well spent. $15 to get on this show. I think it's very, very, very good Well, good he value. paid $15, and for $15, Angus asked for you, or he at least asked for my um, a, a stinking great pile of endorsement from me for you, um, a legitimate socialist, an actual, an actually existing socialist, um, who is um, going? Well, what do we call both of the chambers in in the Parliament of Victoria? This well, it's basically the upper Australia. house, the Senate, but it's the me- um, legislative council. Is yeah. the upper house so legislative assembly? MLA, MLC, MLC. MLC. Yep, on right. red seats. MLAs are on blue seats downstairs. Lovely, good to know. It's an awful place, Parliament House in Victoria. I went there recently. Oh, it's like you know, it's a sad reflection of the colonial England. You know, it's it's disgusting. It's horrible, but you know, it's not. It's not just you know. It, it's not just the reflection of um, empire, but it's um, you know a sad reminder that all of the institutions of the present are dying. So Stephen Jolly is uh, uh, you've, you've you've read about him perhaps in in, in Jacobin. 
Um, Jacobin did a, a feature on the Victorian socialists regarding the Victorian socialists to be of um, uh, worthy of international report because you are actually a proper red ragger, right? I've been doing it since I was 17 all over the world and, um, yeah, I've been a professional revolutionary, I suppose you could put it like that, since since 17 or 18. But since 04, like I got elected to council, I think it was the first social elected council for decades, and I've had to try and not fuck it up. So mm. that's what I've been doing best I can. The, 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 you know, I mean, one can understand why someone might just, you know, out of sheer bloody-mindedness become um, a, a, a local government member where you, you, you can actually sort of like enact some um, trouble with the, the, the rubbish bins and, you know, local development and whatnot. But the, the, the question um, for the centrist listener, the liberal listener, um, you know, the question that um, – somebody who's inclined to vote for one of the two major parties might ask is, what is the point of not being in one of the two major parties? And to which, of course, we would answer, what is the what is the point of uh, of the two major parties? Um, but the question that a socialist might ask you is, what the fuck are you doing, Stephen? Well, I mean, it's a not fucking just... Fucking parliament, fucking ruling class well, fucker. You know, when I first got elected to council 14 years ago, there was a lot of people on the left who thought it was a big joke, municipal socialism in inverted commas, and that was considered an attack. I think nobody now thinks that. I mean, if you look at the last 14 years, I've used the position, I think, as well as I can to advocate for broader issues, but much way more important than that. Over the last 14 years helped build in the city of Yarra resident groups and public housing See, no, groups. See, I don't want to talk about you. Way. No. So your, your, your character and your history, I mean, we'll get into it later, but I don't want to talk about you. No, I want to talk about socialism. Like, so you're a revolutionary Marxist, right? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing trying to get a proper job? Well, it's not a getting a proper job. It's actually been able to, um, it's, a, it's an auxiliary to mass struggle. If I get up on the state level, um, I think it'll have a big – it'll legitimise the idea of socialism amongst hundreds of thousands okay. and millions right. of people that otherwise just think it's a bit of a joke, a bunch of uni students on campus like going through three years of that's radicalism. That's what I wanted to hear. That's and what that's I want- not what this is about. This is something much real. We're, we're trying to create a new left party in Australia um, to the left of the Greens, to the left of the Labour Party that's generally going to push back against 40 years of neoliberalism. So you you feel like you can – it's not as though you're sort of rapping on the glass pane of power begging to be included, right? God, no. Um, if And it's not totally ruled out. Um, I hold the balance of power if I got elected. Uh, I would refuse to, for example, prop up a Labour government and get a few – like 30 pieces of silver like Adam Bant did with the, Green, with the ALP, with the Gillard government back in the day. We, you know, I would try and use that position to force Labour and Liberal into a coalition government so that um, we could – expose them and this is really just the first step of something much much bigger but okay so you you may or you may not have the balance of power and you you may or may not be able to cause a bit of a stir if you are elected and there's a reasonable chance that you you may be i mean how many people need to vote one you for you well to get the fifth spot in northern metro where i'm standing you know the last time the, the, the fifth spot was won by somebody who got 11,700 votes. So you're not talking about a lot of votes here. Right. We've got a target, I think it's 15, 25,000 votes, and I think it's totally doable. But, um, yeah, so it's definitely within the realms of possibility. It's not like a flag-flying exercise. Yeah. Okay, so you, I just want to be very clear. You're not sort of um, legitimising the form of, of, of power of state government by joining in. No, I mean, Marx, Engels, Lenin, Trotsky, Rosa Luxemburg, Liebrecht, you know, the whole history of the Marxist movement has been, you know, not ignoring parliamentary 
process without having any illusions in it. And it's definitely not to take over or substitute for mass struggle, but as an auxiliary to mass struggle. And that's exactly how I see my role on the council in the last 14 years. And if we, um, if Marx we make a breakthrough- Marx was fairly explicit about finding the whole thing a bit whiffy though. Oh, mate, look, honestly, my, my, DNA, my, my DNA, comrade, is picket lines, occupations, revolutions, counter-revolutions. That's my DNA. Sitting on fucking Yarra Council for 14 years talking about dog shit and planning law does my head in. Dog shit is important, though. Well, post-revolution, comrade, we'll all be talking about dog shit all the time, which is one of the things that genuinely frightens me about actually existing communism. You've just I put might, me off communism. I know, I know, you see. I, I mean, the thought that I would actually have to be involved in decisions about childcare and what have you, I'm just going to nominate some technocrats for that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm going to have like a provisional ruling class for things that I'm not interested in. But dog shit's important. Yeah, and um, I took two dogs for a walk for the first time for about four years last weekend and remembered as I was doing it that the city of Yarra was about to do a, do a big purge on dog shit. And mm. I tell you, it was the biggest pain in the arse. But yeah, look, you know, um, you know, on a serious level, you know, you, you've got at Yarra Council, for example, a thousand staff and only one person looking after, you know, dog registration and dog shit. And for local people in the street, that's a big fucking issue, you know? I mean, there's dog shit everywhere. The parks are you know, potentially dangerous for kids and so on. So it, and it all comes back at the end of the day to um, neoliberalism and a cut to basic frontline services by, by councils. So, you know, if you want to raise the issue of dog shit, it definitely is something that I've had to raise and fight for on Yarra Council. Mm, um, not fight for dog shit itself. Fight for the uh, liberation of dog shit from our pavements and from our parks. Yeah. Mm, indeed. And the liberation of all from uh, dog shit's execrable fumes. Interesting fact about dog shit. Do you recall a time in your life where dog shit went quickly white when it dried? Whatever happened to that white dog poop from the 70s? It went away as mysteriously as it came. Hmm. Do, do you not remember the white dog shit of So why doesn't that happen anymore? Years? Uh, because they're eating fewer bones, this is what I hear. Oh, okay. Mm. Hmm. You it's a something every day. form of calcification. Um, so if you see, but then again, in your enlightened area where I'm sure they're all into raw meaty bones and um, the, the dogs are all on the ketogenic diet, um, you do see a fair share of white Peter Montes and McCoppins, yeah, they have a good range in uh, dog bones. Really not the point. Here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, 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 I am, of course, the Vag Stephen Jolly, our guest, Angus's guest, is holding Knackers the bear, ready to wield him should I go on for too long. Stephen is a, a gentleman, I think, of our international interest because he's not, um, is attempting to get a job in our state parliament here in, in Australia, in a, in a state called Victoria, um, and is doing so strategically. Um, in an area where there may be some sympathy um, for your particular ideas. Um, and, I mean, I would feel very joyous if you did win, chiefly because um, it would be a chance, as you've said, and I'm glad that you, you said this, and this is the one thing that I detect and I always uh, long liked about um, the former federal senator, Green Senator Lee Rhiannon, Lee was a woman who spent a very long time campaigning on the streets, as you have, and, you know, 
I think she's probably much better at upholding um, an appearance of consensus than you would ever be, but you'll be the only one of your kind in all likelihood um, if you do get there. But, I mean, I know why she was there, or I'm pretty sure why I know that I know why she was there, and she was there to utter things that may not otherwise be uttered, you know, as you intend to do, I guess, you know, make a bit of trouble where, 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 where she could. But so this is the project, right? This, this, this really is the, the project to not legitimise the state apparatus of government and not even to legitimise socialist ideals because we don't need them legitimised, do we? We just need them heard and understood and engaged with. It gives it a mass audience. I mean, even just this election campaign, even if I don't get elected, I mean, you know, I've got access to to put socialist ideas out to local media, everything from the frigging Guardian to the Herald Sun and everything in between. So already, you know, it's been massive social media sort of um, outreach and 11 branches, 1,500 members. This is the biggest socialist project that's taken place in Australia since probably, well, since I can remember, since I've been here, since 85. And, you know, and people have agreed to, because, you know, let's not fib, um, uh, the, the thing that constitutes, you know, the truer left, we're all awful, vile, egocentric turds who all believe that we've developed the best hypothesis um, and rereading um, of, of Marx and we're all awful to each other, aren't we? The left eat the left and, you know, that's why ordinary people sometimes are repelled by, oh, we're disgusting. you know, how many angels on the pin of a needle sort of thing. Um, but I think the thing about we've this- We've suspended this for the Victorian socialists. We, we just provisionally agreed to shut the fuck up for a few minutes. Yeah, and I think that's partially international. They're looking at Sanders, Corbyn, and they want a bit of the action of that. And partially from below where people are just going, fuck, you know, you've got to do something better than what, what the Greens are um, pushing forward. In my area, they just tried to bring in a bin tax last year, for example. Um, and um, this huge um, increase in interest in anti-neoliberal ideas, anti-privatisation, more money for health and education. And so we're getting pressure from below, pressure from above to pull our heads in and not start arguing about Syrian foreign policy when we're actually just talking about a Victorian state election the issues are pretty basic. They're not rocket science. And so far, so good. Maybe it'll all turn to shit if I get elected. Uh, I hope not. But at the moment, it's, you know, it's been a lot easier of a, of a horse to ride than I thought it would be. I want to get into your ideas and the way they interact with particular issues, which are always the same issues. I mean, you know, ask any population in the world what are the most important things in their lives that, 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 that will be, um, you know, the way in which they survive. How much leisure do you have? Do you have dignity in labour? Do your children have half a chance? Can you get health care? You know, hierarchy of needs. It's, it's simple and universal. And I do want to talk about those. But one thing, because, you know, you mentioned earlier when we were talking about how you have strategically used your position on the Yarra Council to have conversations that other people might hear. And there's one instance that uh, is salient in my memory, which I quite enjoy. So there was the issue here in Australia of same-sex marriage and we had a plebiscite, which is, you know, kind of like voting for America's next top model or whatever. It was a nonsense. Anyway, look, the thing's passed and even a curmudgeon like me voted, uh, you know, yes, of course, we should change the law. This is not to say that there wasn't a great dis amount of disagreement among the left, 
about whether or not we should, you know, support an institution mm. like like marriage, you know, the imprimatur of the state, blah, blah, blah. And so it may not come as a surprise to you at all to know that, um, you know, the finance sector was, was heavily involved um, in promoting a, a vote to, yes, change the legislation. And there were m- many people who were otherwise. What I'm saying is that it's not necessarily uh, and and exclusively a left wing issue, although it's construed as such. And one thing that you did that I quite liked was I I, I believe that there was a I can't remember the details. You know what I'm talking about here? There was a there was a, a delegation of people to either celebrate um, the passage of same sex marriage into federal law. And you had a, a cranky fit about it, and I like that. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I don't actually know. No, there was a breakfast you refused to attend, or something like that. And there were plenty of corporations. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah That's I like right. Yeah, this. I yeah. Like I mean, this. you know, it's it, it was just you know, capitalism's got a great ability no, to explain to me what happened because well, I can't remember. Um, I, I'm not going to stand side by side with bourgeois politicians and big corporations celebrating. You know the, the 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 plebiscite win, um, and the very very same people who have in the past victimised, you know, um, trade unionists and especially people um, LGBTI community and migrants and so on. And it's so you were invited to some occasion. Yeah, I'm not going to hoity toity. But, but, with but those what people. happened? You were invited to an occasion to. Well, se- I, I just refused to. No, but tell me what happened. I well, can't remember the details, or uh, can you not either? Well, no, I just didn't go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. Uh, so it was, a, it was a, a corporate celebration. It's, an, it's important that you know a socialist position or something is totally separated politically and physically from the rest of the people mm. who are like, for example, so you know, in the inner city where I'm, I'm a councillor, there's a lot of anti-development feeling. If left to its own devices, it'll verge in the direction of anti-population, property values, and so on. By intervening properly in it, you can move it into the direction of. Why don't we have social services to match a growing population? Mm-hmm. Why don't we have a percentage of low-cost housing, all the high-rise units, so it's not just bloody yuppie central? So it's the same with the same-sex marriage debate. Um, or, or like I'm a big soccer fan. Every single game in the EPL, it starts with a big anti-racist rally, uh, banner, I should say, and anti-racist songs and all the rest of it. It's all bullshit. Yeah, of course. It's, a, it's bullshit in the AFL as well. I totally, mean, it's a, it's yeah. a nonsense. You know, they, you know, they, they open the occasional prayer room um, for you, you as a Muslim player to to worship, I mean, it, it means nothing. Mm. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure you know because you know you're on council and you're 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 running for the upper chamber in an area where there is a high um, LGBTQIA, however many people are in the alphabet now population, and you would know, of course, that of of great material concern to a lot of people in the queer community is homelessness. Like that's always been a concern. Kids get chucked out of home, mm. um, and there's not, you know, the same networks of 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 care for uh, that you know exist informally for people with a non normative sexuality. It's just a fact. So um, queer people are vulnerable to to homelessness, and for the finance sector to put up its hand and say, "We're with you." I mean, virtue signalling, as repugnant as that phrase is and as, as hideously as it's wielded by many of those who, who use it, it's a real thing. It's absolutely a real thing. I mean, you know, it might be true that one or two people in a C-suite are queer and support same-sex marriage, but, I mean, when you've 
you know, had a lifetime uh, or, uh, or when your profession actively works to oppress the very people that you now wish to uphold. Mm. Gives me the, the tom tits, frankly. Well, it's true. I mean, as we discussed earlier, the, the role of the banking sector in the on affordability of housing for ordinary people is like maybe a story that hasn't been told fully. Um, but also the state government, who claimed to be greatly in, here in you know the most progressive state government on the continent, totally supported the, uh, the plebiscite and so on. Yet at the last budget, um, didn't create one single public housing unit. The the the, the um, property boom is forcing out like um, cheap hostel accommodation in the inner city. Vast majority of people who come into Fitzroy, come into Smith Street, down the Peel Circuit, to work there, um, either are living on the streets or house surfing, um, uh, couch surfing, I should say, which is or, a form of homelessness. Absolutely, or they're you know traveling miles back to the suburbs where they live because of the rents being God, you know, like three bedroom now in Fitzroy, a thousand dollars a week. You're lucky. Um, I'm, I'm in a one bedroom tiny apartment in Collingwood. It's five hundred dollars a week. So. Yeah, there's absolutely no class analysis now when it comes to a lot of these social issues. Oh, there's issues. no class analysis at all. And, you know, one thing I find curious, and I, I, I have to ask why, I mean, I guess it's because, you know, you you have um, the experience and what have you. But, I mean, just to speak very frankly with you. So, yes, your, your comrades are right. They do see a moment um, in which they can seize the opportunity to perhaps have one of their own in parliament where you can attempt to crack the glass and, again, not knock plaintively on the doors of power asking to be let in. That's not what you're doing at all, and I'm glad to hear that. So comrades have a, have a view that now is the time because, you know, people are feeling the pinch. Like there was a reason for Corbyn beyond Corbyn and there's a reason for Sanders beyond Sanders. But the, the thing that I was curious about was why, why did our comrades not select a woman, perhaps, mm. to be you? Yeah, it's a really good question. I just think that it's an accident of history that I've been on the council for 14 years and won four elections and therefore I've got a sort of a wider resonance mm. um, amongst the electorate, amongst the population, probably any other socialist in Australia, closely followed by Sue Bolton who's been six years on Moreland Council and that's why we're one and two in the ticket. So, you know... It's not a matter of whether it's good or bad, but the, the facts of the matter are I've got a higher profile of any socialist in Melbourne, being on the council for four years, winning four elections, you know, be, being regularly in the media and having led many, many, or been part of many, many blues. Um, and also I sort of cross over being a construction worker in a highly unionized sector and having that sort of base of support that mm. it's outside of many of the traditional left who are sort of from a petty bourgeois background. And then on the other hand, being sort of um, king of fucking Fitzroy, you know, um, Yuppie Central sort of thing, but also in within the inner city of Yarra, you've got the three largest public housing estates in Melbourne, Fitzroy, Collingwood and Richmond in particular, biggest one in Australia, and that's my electoral base. So there's not anyone at this moment in time who's got the finger in all those pies and can bring those different constituencies right. together. So it's really just, that's the reason, I think. And, um, yeah. I mean, the, the you know, reason that I ask, you know, why not, um, what we were saying about how you 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 know you see very clearly as you did on the day you you know you you made a statement about not attending a corporate breakfast to which council were invited uh, in celebration of same sex marriage. However much you may have celebrated the passage of that particular legislation, you can't stand shoulder to shoulder with assholes. So I mean, the reason that I ask you know about your gender. Um, is not because I find the answer particularly fascinating, but 
so the the conversation um, that is quite dominant at the moment in in liberal press is one about feminism. Hmm. And similarly, I see a lot of the. I understand that you might have some reluctance to talk about this because you're a man, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But a lot of the feminism that I I, I hear discussed is very much one percent feminism, if you like. It is not feminism for the ninety nine percent. It's um, it's talking about success for individual women. Um, it's not talking about the, you know uh, changing the terms of the game at all. Simply changing the diversity of the players and this is what for 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 mine is is so important um to uh, why your intervention is important so we can begin begin to have those sorts of conversations because you know i mean on the one hand you have these sort of extremist mras saying and not without cause frankly that feminism completely excludes their interests and then, you know, on the other hand, you have this uncritical liberalism saying that, that feminism is the transcendent issue of our time. And in some ways, yes, it is. I understand what you mean. But where is the socialist intervention? Where is, this, where is the conversation about the actually existing real world? Where is, as you asked before, where is the class analysis? We've got to do both. We, we, you know, the Me Too movement. What and, do you mean we've got to do both? Well, um, I'll give you a concrete example. You're not going to get a more macho, male-dominated industry and indeed union than the commercial construction industry in Melbourne and the CFMEU, my union that I'm involved in. And in that industry, there's relatively high wages, um, very good conditions, and the people who are pushing more than anyone for more women in that industry, you'll see as you drive through Melbourne, more and more women doing traffic management, more and more women on building sites. We've now got our first women shop steward in the CFMEU, either CFMEU. Um, and the people who are stopping them is the ABCC backed by the major parties, in particular the, the Liberal Party. Um, so, you know, that's totally outside of the radar of the petty bourgeois left, you know, who, who just see the CFMU as some Neanderthal, mm. you know, knock down all the forests, whatever. And it's actually not the reality of the situation. Yeah. The reality is, is that they're a very, very pale privation of the BLF, who are a magnificent organisation that had women... Members. Yeah, but both are true. I mean, you can, you can still <laughs> say that. I mean, I'm not here as, as a non critical bloody advocate for the CFMU. God knows. And, no, I mean, you know, I think, you know, you know I think. But I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, that, um, that, that, that if you, you know, some of the biggest male creeps I know are people who sit in Kent Street and Smith Street talking, saying all the right words. But it's not just a question of the right words; it's actually actions as well. Yeah, no, I just, I just want to, I just don't want to get to the point where we're valorizing particular unions. Because there's fucking problems with the CFMEU. No, I mean, I'm glad that they, I'm I'm glad that that they exist, but I mean, yeah. I just sort of say, you, you know, when we say, oh, the CFMEU are great supporters of women, um, un underneath that assumption is actually, and I know you're not a sexist and all of that, but it is a sort of a sexist statement because the presumption that the, and the reality is that we're actually talking about a bunch of men. Hmm. Um, and the, the reality um, with unions is that, um, I mean, the only one in my lifetime, and even then I was very small, the only one that has functioned that way in my lifetime is the Builders, Builders, Builders Labourers Federation, mm. which did employ women on building sites 
And the only reason that it did employ women on building sites was because women were fucking involved in the union. No, self-mobilisation inside and, the union. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the BLF, have you, you know, before Gallagher's time, but have you have you seen the magnificent documentary um, Rocking the Foundations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's incredible. It's just great. It's, yeah. in, it's, in, it's incredible. I mean, in that coalition of people, and I mean, the, the, you know, this is this is the thing, isn't it, about solidarity and about action. Um, one develops. We in the left have this notion that we must, I mean, you know, I, I even see it with really good writers like, say, a Jeff Sparrow, right? I, I remember reading something that he had written in The Guardian and it was about how you can't be a racist and be on the left. And, yes, of course, I agree that that shouldn't be the case, but somebody uh, who is a white person can become perhaps non-racist only within the struggle and it's only through our involvement in the struggle that our various interests can be acknowledged, right? We can't wait for a union to be good to women. No, that's that's absolutely right. And people's consciousness changes through struggle, um, not through, well, for the vast majority of the population at least, not through reading books or going to a lecture or whatever. Yeah. I remember in, in Britain in the NU, um, National Union of Miners, you know, strike back in the 80s, you know, racist coal miners coming to London. Um, we used to send them to Brixton. They would come back and go, fuck, you know, I can't believe that. We got more money from the black population of Brixton than we did from anywhere else in the UK because they could relate to how we were being smashed by the cops. And that broke down their racism much yeah. more than a thousand lectures from bloody, you know, some socialist guru or, or feminist or, oh, my, or anti-racist. For heaven's sake, yes. I yeah. mean, you know, all of this sort of like, you know, finger waggling and be better and be better. I do understand. And I mean, sometimes, and with me too, like, I mean, of course, yes, I've had my own me too experience, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, one has moments of rage at the gender and what have you, and you wish people could be better, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I mean, little prissy pants here telling all men to be better is going to have precisely no effect. Um, what will have an effect is, you know, men and women working together for the same goal. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's, you know, it's, it's going to be pleasant. And I have experienced sexism on the left and I have seen people be racist turds on the left and what have you. But the left is... We're not immune from society's pressures. Christ, it's good Christ, no. You know. Humans, we're assholes. But, I mean, it's not entirely populated by white men. You know, it's, it's not. And the more, oh, I hate the word diversity because it's been so abused, but the more um, involvement in the coalition, the more it changes shape. Yeah, and totally. And just on a very parochial issue, I mean, in terms of the Victorian socialists, it's dominated by women at a leadership level and at a rank and file level. Some fucking terrifying bitches too. Oh, mate. I'm I say this you. knowing some of them well. No, totally. And um, and the vast majority of groups that I work with at a local level in terms of the public housing estates where you know, the Sudanese women run those estates. They run the residence associations, the, the people that run the, 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 the you know, the, develop, the anti-development fights and all the rest of it. It's overwhelmingly women. So the left um, it by no means is, is a clean skin. But, no. you know, um, we reflect society's dirt and uh, as much as anybody. Our shit stinks as much as anyone else. But at least we're having a crack at trying to fix it and we have higher standards as we should of our own maybe than others in, in society. But, you know, I think that... You know, yes, it's a male, a middle-aged white male. That's the lead candidate, and you know, I, you know, I would prefer that not to be the case. But you know, the reason that I'm there isn't because we just decided to pick me there. It's because you know, like it or not, I've got the highest profile. That will change, and other people way more talented than me 
will come to the forefront in the future. But right now, this component, at this particular part in time, I'm the one that's got the ability to sort of get the votes more than other people because of the historical circumstances of the last decade and a half. So I haven't had the opportunity to talk to you at length before, but um, I I wanted to begin to understand, um, and we've spoken about it a little, what your view of um, the relationship between ideas and reality are. Because, I mean, this for me seems to be a question that people are grappling with. You know, you, we spoke about it earlier, you say, um, you know, say like me too, which is not an largely not an organized or a unionized movement at all. It's just a bunch of people saying this shouldn't happen. Don't behave like this. Be a good Samaritan. When you see, um, you know, somebody being violent, stop them. I think that that this is actually a hugely unrealistic prescription. You can't force people to be good Samaritans. And in fact, you know, I know it's probably happened to you before. It's happened to most decent blokes I know. Um, when you do intervene in something, you can end up exacerbating the situation, right? Or getting your block knocked off yourself. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. So it's not – so my hope, and this is something that I think is shared by most people who would call themselves socialists, my hope is not to individually transform the ethics of people by talking at them or by organising educational programs or by sending them leaflets or by – a program of social control. My hope is that if we make people's conditions better, then they will form better ideas. Would you agree with this? Yeah, you can't you can't legislate against discrimination. I mean, that's not to say that legislation and 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 you know standards of behaviour need need not you know shouldn't be tightened up and and, and standards are way what do you higher. Mean, what do you mean they shouldn't be? Well, tightened I mean the up? things that as a middle aged white guy, let's be let, let me just put it right out there. The, the shit that I used to get away with saying in the nineteen seventies, for example, I would never in a million years even think about saying now. I mean, you know, it, the, the 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 pushback from the Me Too movement, the pushback. Frankly, mate, I would rather you say it. You know, I mean, like if you're thinking about. No, no, it, no. It's no. It's not that I don't. It's it's that um, when you, um, like I'll put it differently, when I was in South Africa under apartheid, when you saw in the 80s the revival of the movement against apartheid, the black population said to radical whites, we're going to do this with or without you. We're going to smash apartheid. We're going to take power. You can either be part of it or you can, you can stand in the way and we're going to fucking walk all over you. And it forced white people to think about their everyday behavior and how they treated African people and how they treated colored and Indian people in South Africa. And it forced a change in consciousness. The real world did that. And I'm saying that with the, with the Me Too movement. Um, in terms of, you know, dealing with the issues, um, then obviously through struggle. Yeah, can, but I mean, and then of course it made a lot of the white racist elite even more racist. And with Me Too, it's made some, uh, some men actually misogynist and it's certainly monetized misogyny for people you know, of the Steve Bannon sort. I mean, one can't predict what a good campaign like Me Too or anti-apartheid, you can't predict what the effects will be, right? Yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, the, the old debate in the socialist movement about nationalism. Do you just write it all off as, you know, as, as sort of false consciousness or do you intervene in genuine national liberation struggles and try and wean them to the left rather than them when you know moving to the right, and I think it's it's the latter is the way to go. The, the the main thing today, in my opinion, is in every single issue, whatever whatever you know, social issue or class issue you're involved in, is to build an alternative that's real, that can 
stand up against the very growing and powerful forces of right-wing populism that we're seeing in Eastern mm. Europe and are growing here too. That's the key thing. Oh, not just in Eastern Europe. I mean, for heaven's sake, in Finland, in Sweden. And we have ultra-reactionaries here too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just saying, it, obviously, it's stronger in the likes of Hungary and parts of East Germany and, and so Poland. on. But it's, it's the music of the future for here. Um, you, you go out to, you know, parts of Victoria, which have been absolutely devastated and left behind by neoliberalism and by the 25-year, 30-year boom that we've had, you know, it's a surprise that the far right actually aren't stronger there than, than they could be. Okay, so let's be very clear about this because I want to also, yeah. I mean, for me, again, you may, may disagree, but for me this seems to be a fundamental understanding. This is what I strive to, with writing and blathering, what I strive to sort of put into people's heads once I crack them open, that there is an ongoing relationship between the way in which people exist or barely exist and the ideas that are produced. And no, conditions determine consciousness. I mean, obviously. Well, I know, yeah. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah. But, I mean, this is, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking about something that is very well known to a socialist. But, mm. I mean, remember the time before you knew that and how difficult it was mm. to get there. And it's your task to explain to people if you get this fucking role it's your that's one of your tasks to bring them along and help them with that understanding and this is why you know somebody like Lee Rhiannon also very much of the left she had an education fund as 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 part of her role as a senator and she spoke to people and she educated them like i know you're quite erudite you've been reading and doing activism for years but you must take people along with you and you must remember Stephen that you know, you say offhand, oh, being determines consciousness because you know that very well and I know that very well. But this, this is not a conversation we're having about theory. I want you to draw that out and I want you to bring people along with you. I mean, this is your hope, isn't it? Because you know people don't understand that, don't you? Yeah, I do, obviously. Um, the, the, the mixed consciousness that you see, for example, in my industry where somebody can have more union stickers on their bloody heart out that you can poke a stick at but then have totally reactionary views on a whole range of social yeah. issues. Um, so do you just then just put them into a, a, you know, a glass jar and say that that's just a racist and they'll always stay the same? Or do, do you, in a patient but persistent way, through talking and education but also through struggle and showing them through reality that the way to get a better situation for them and their family is through unity and not disunity, that's obviously the way to go. And you don't write off people just because they say a stupid bloody expression or word um, from day one. And that's why um, I've been successful in Yarra in a very heterogeneous sort of community where you've got strong working class, three working class ghettos basically on the housing estates and gentrified layer is, is being patient and taking people where they're at now. If they're at the ABC trying to get them to the DEF, um, and not just either just running them off or mm. just trying to immediately just talk in abstract terms about socialism and everybody needs to love each other because that's just not going to cut it in a devastated working class community. No, no. And it's not going to cut it either if we don't get to the point where people are understanding being creates consciousness. I mean, and just, the, the difficulty um, that occurs before you can understand that, right? Because in understanding that, you have to realise that you have a whole lot of other presumptions already in your head about the way the world works. And these are, and you can absolutely understand them. And, you know, you probably even enact them yourself. Like you take, I, I mean, I've met you a few times and I know one of the things about you is that you actually do take a certain deal of pride in, because being a counsellor doesn't pay all the bills, right? You've got to have a day job. Yep. Uh, and your day job is being a builder. 
and you're not an engineer or a specialty builder. No, I'm skilled builder's labor. Yeah. Yeah. And you take a certain kind of like antique pride in the dignity of that labor. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And I mean, and builders can, like I'm the daughter of a builder. Like, I mean, my dad can still point to things that he changed the shape of. And so in that sense, you're not completely alienated from the product of what you've done because it, 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 it becomes That's you know, a really good point, yeah. Part of the community. Oh, well, it's the same, same with my work, right? Yeah. Because I'm a media person. Why do you think media people are so up themselves? I mean, really, because we do have a very direct relationship with the product mm. of our labour. Again, I don't want to start sort of talking about the 1844 manuscripts here. I want to talk about basic socialism and what you're um, and, and and what you're aiming for. But I mean, so you know, even so, like you you have these um, ideas about the dignity of your labour and how that that makes you and how that constitutes your identity, your masculine identity, and all and and all of that. So. Even so, right, you're still informed. Your being creates your consciousness. You're still informed by the world that surrounds you, even though you're a, you know, you've gone clear and you're fully socialist. And so I can totally understand how, you know, how, how it is that people think, well, if I work hard, I'll get somewhere, you know, which is completely untrue. Like if you have a lot of money, you'll get somewhere. That's the actual mm. truth. And so it's a very, very difficult uh, work, particularly in an election, I imagine, to get people around to this way of thinking, which, which hasn't been broadly discussed in Australian public life for about 40 years. That's a really important point because we are, the context is, you know, 35, 40 years of neoliberalism, the shift to the right of the Labour Party, the, the fact that the vast majority of the working class are not in trade unions, and even if they are, may, many of the unions are not progressive. Why so, would you be? I mean, I understand why you'd be in the CFMEU, but I mean… No, know. there's a lot of the unions like the STA, you literally get a pay cut if you join. So, um, <laughs> so, so the rebuilding of a socialist, of, of you know, alternative of a socialist movement in, in this country is coming from a very, very low base, and we have to be patient and not expect immediate overnight results. So I think, you know, that's for sure. But there is an age question here. There's, I think what I'm really noticing is, uh, is that kids of my kids' generation, in other words, from- So how old are your kids? Uh, 20 and 22. The generation Z, I believe they're yeah. currently called. You know, they do the right things. They, they get through the VC, they go to uni, get a degree. They, they do all the right things mm. that capitalism asks of them. And they're stuck, you know, flipping burgers as a barista, whatever, and casualized. If they're lucky, they're getting paid. If they're unlucky, they're not getting paid. Very, very few get paid legal minimum. Um, they're almost all casual. They'll never in a million years be able to buy a house. If they're lucky, they can rent somewhere in the maybe outer northern suburbs, not in the inner northern suburbs where they party and play and, um, and work. And that generation, um, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the, 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 the trigger for every revolution in the 20th century as being an educated, disaffected youth Um and that's what you've seen in the States right oh, now. Oh, yes, That no, was the absolutely. driver for the Sanders campaign. Absolutely. I mean, never have we had such a sort of an amply educated group of people who just can't find work. Um, and moreover, you know, I mean, I see them as perhaps similar to kind of like the spirit of Paris 1968 because, I mean, they're these awesome kids who are not even primarily white anymore here mm. in Australia um, you know, a number of them were born overseas. Um, a lot of them are bilingual. A lot of them are people of colour. And the sense that, that I get, I mean, it's not just, you know, 
the hipster kids from, you know, North Fitzroy High School or whatever who are really into LGBTI issues and um, who have an awareness of Me Too. But it's it's a majority mm. that have some consciousness of anti-racism and, and what have you. So they have that kind of familiarity with looking at their own prejudice and also like they're economically fucked. I feel terrible for them, but God, I have some hope. Oh, I've never been more optimistic um, than I have been, especially going out with this election campaign and talking to young people. The difference I would say that with 68 is back in 68 here and in France and everywhere else, you had a large communist party, you had an even bigger Labour party that still had strong social yes. democratic traditions, you know, 50% plus of people were in unions. That's all changed. So, so this is certainly- But what amount- you also had in 1968 was you had um, the Soviets- you know, yeah. who fucked us. Yeah, and the you don't Soviets, have that now. The Soviets yeah. fucked the left in the late 60s, absolutely fucked them. I, I don't get on the door anymore. When, I've got, when I started knocking on the doors in 04, it would be like, oh, yeah, you know, Berlin Wall, you know, sending people to Siberia, Joseph Stalin, hide the kids, the socialists are at the front door. Now they're going, oh, socialists, yeah, you're the ones who are banging on about public housing tenants. You're the ones who are banging on about childcare. In a little bit small part of, of, of Melbourne, we've rebranded. But on a broader level, what you're saying is right. People, they, they don't raise Stalinism, like the younger generation, as a yeah. barrier to being interested in socialism. And that's where, as you say, Sanders and Corbyn, it's not about them as individuals, but that movement around them has, um, has renewed interest in those ideas, as reflected with your interest, recent book. You know? in, 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 thank you very much. Yeah, it's called, um, what's it called? Total Propaganda. Did you actually read it? Yes, I did. Oh, thank you very much. And I've loaned it to three people, but they should have really bought a copy. But Oh, I've got some freebies. I think the thing's being remaindered. Um, it's funny that you um, uh, you mention it uh, because I have an email. Somehow I got myself on the Centre for Independent Studies mailing list. And Lucky you. There's an email from Tom Switzer in my inbox today. And James Bartholomew, who writes for the London Telegraph, um, will be holding an event um, in Melbourne very soon. He's written a book called The Welfare of Nations. A little bit of a tip of the hat to Adam Smith there. And he has begun the Museum of Communist Terrors, and this lecture is being held precisely to advise millennials and remind them of the terrors inherent in communist ideas. I, I know you've got you've actually got an interview with, I'm getting bumped for the fucking Guardian. You've got to get <laughs> uh, the, the Guardian who basically, by the way, doesn't pay his writers very well. Um, but be, before you go, let's, um, let's just uh, sort of talk about this idea of there being some kind of like imminent terror in uh, that, that is contained within communist ideas. What do you have to say to that? I mean, the first victims of Stalinism were fellow socialists, were people who didn't agree with killing the entire Central Committee of 1917 and sending their opponents off to Siberia to work in some sort of salt mine and then later to be executed. So the idea that socialism is inherently, to, you know, you know, I, I, I put it very on a personal level, I was shot at. The only time I've ever been shot at was in 1989 in Tiananmen Square, and that was by a communist. And I'm a socialist, so th- you know th- this idea that every communist were like, or every socialist were hiding, you know, an inevitable drift towards dictatorship and tyranny. It's just absolute bullshit. Um, and let's also remember that what we uh, have in China of the present is command capitalism or state capitalism, totally. and we never had communism in. And I'm not saying they just got it wrong and they tried it and it didn't work. I mean, we must, as socialists, look at the disasters of those two large experiments and learn from them, right? We, we can't ignore them. We can't just say, oh, well, they didn't read Marx properly. 
Can we? No, I mean, it, and there was nothing inevitable about the rise of Stalinism. It was a whole series of well, bitter disputations inside Russia that and the Second need, World need, War. Need, need to be studied, as you say, and not just swept under the carpet. Absolutely. And, and the, the, the 20 million dead soldiers in the Second World War that were spent on killing Nazis, that probably I has mean, something to do with it. I mean, for every five um, tanks of Hitler, four of them were on the Eastern Front. The Western mm. Front was like a bit of a sideshow. It was the Red Army that smashed fascism and saved, oh, yeah. I mean, saved the world from, I, I, yeah, yeah, you know, Fuck barbarism. Stalin, fuck Stalin, fuck Stalin and all of that. But, I mean, the Americans didn't beat the Germans. That's correct. Let's, let's That's be right. real. That's a Hollywood myth, you know. For sure. But I mean, this 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 thing that you just pointed out to me, this inbox thing that you saw, I mean, it's like King Canute. You know, no amount of lectures and communism terror museums is going to stop the fact that capitalism is leading to casualization, low pay, insecurity, and an uncertainty in people's lives, mental and physical pain. And it's socialism that seemed to be amongst increasing numbers of progressive youth as something that's worth looking at as reflected in England and America at the moment. And in a much smaller way, I'm not going to exaggerate it, but in a much smaller way, the growth of the Victorian socialists here. Mm. Um, look, if you, um, if you want me to do something to help, I mean, I think me handing out how to vote cards will just alienate people, frankly. Uh, but I'm up for it. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm convinced. I talked to Roz and just like, yeah. We're talking about Roz Ward here. We're still on microphone. Oh, sorry. Our previous yeah. guest here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, She's Vag, like Vag. Uh, yeah, Ms. Ward is everybody's boss. She's frankly very terrifying. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Slightly less terrifying than me. Uh, so so uh, this has been Stephen Jolly. Uh, you can go to victoriansocialists.org.au, is that yep. correct? Or our Facebook page. Or you can f find them on Facebook. Twitter as well. Uh, you, you don't really do a whole lot on Twitter, do you? Uh, not as much as we should, that's Have true. you got the Instagrams? We do have the Instagram. I don't think we've got Spotify yet. We haven't gone that low, but, we, you know, something we should I do. I think I, – I, 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 don't, don't say that. Spotify will review this, this Not Spotify, this bloody, um, yeah, what am I Snapchat? talking about? Snapchat. I don't Snapchat, know. I meant to say Snapchat. I don't know. Well, I mean, thank goodness for the younger comrades in the movement that can tell mum and dad what here. to do. Indeed. Thank you so much. And I hope you, you, at the very least you can use the opportunity of the coming weeks to talk about things like sort of being and consciousness to people and talk about how the um, ideas of tolerance and the ideas of a tolerable life interweave and inform each other. These are such important things. For well, this is what I've got know. out of this interview because you do get bogged down in the mundane day to day. Yeah. Like do when you're in the, mean, when you're in the trench, you don't get a chance to yeah. think about. Do, the strategic... You can't say petty bourgeois in public. You know um, that. You can say it to me. Yeah. You can say it to this lot listening, but you. you I guys don't are fine use those terms because yeah. my electoral base is among the petty bourgeois, and they don't like to be called the petty bourgeois. So um, I get I get you, but um, you know this. This, this is like very, very different than all the other interviews I've done in this yeah, election yeah, yeah, yeah. campaign. Sure, and and that's sure. a compliment, by the way. Well, Big thank, time. Thank, th thank you very much. But um, No, I'm hearing you loud and clear. Because you can't forget about the bigger picture, you know? It's a challenge. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to oversimplify things, but sometimes um, then media, you know, mainstream media presentations will, will force you to do that. But please don't be afraid of communicating to others the big ideas that changed your fucking life, right? Mm. Because, I mean, that's the thing. And once the coin drops, then you can leave people alone. You know, I mean, that's when you just you just pass on that gift with a joke. I mean, do do you really remember? Like, I don't want to sound evangelical here, but do you remember? You know, the first few weeks of the, these ideas falling into place in your own life. Oh, I do. I remember reading a biography 
of Steve Biko when I was living in South Africa. Right. And how he died in the back of a divvy van, driv- been driven from East London to Pretoria. And the idea that somebody would quite willingly give their life for the greater good of his people, that was just like, that just opened, it was like the styes just came off my eyes. And that's how I want to live the rest of my life. I want to- It's interesting. I want to have fun and don't get me wrong, you know, party as much as anyone else, but I, there's, there's got to be more to this world than just fucking mm-hmm. getting married, having three kids and a mortgage or whatever. Not that I do any of that, but- um, and that that was a but to I mean, this no, day, no, I remember no. I mean, that moment. But you know, I mean, reading but, but, that little pissy little biography. Yeah, but, you know? but in a sense, I mean, that's what we're fighting for, right? This is I want people to be able to have love in their life. I want people to be able to reproduce. I want them to be able to be productive in the way that is best for them and their community and broader connections. Like I want people to have. You're a safe and private space in which to live. I want them to be able to love their children, right? This is what you want too. I don't want anyone to go through what I went through and the people that I've seen went through um, in life. I've seen some of the most horrible things that you can mention on a personal level, family level, and, you know, literally I I was there when the massacre happened in Tiananmen Square. I've seen people killed um, in the underground in South Africa. I've seen people die for their ideas. I've seen rich people devastate the lives of poor people. And I love the fact that, you know, I'm involved and I hope my kids and all these other people involved in this campaign devote their life, yeah. not, not, not like as a monk, but as part of their life, the idea of social change for the greater but good. What, it's what, the greatest thing I've ever done. And it's made me so happy. But what, what obsesses me and I think what obsesses you, uh, the struggle is for the ordinary life. Not necessarily for your ordinary life. You can romanticize yourself or Biko or whatever. And, you know, I mean, uh, certainly there are heroes who have died. But the, the struggle is for flourishing in the simplest, most moralistic totally. Marxist terms. Yeah. The struggle is for a flourishing life. Now, the interesting thing, because I turned 50 this year, you're in your 50s. Interesting thing about getting to that age is you do think about life. And mortality, and um, you do think about the possibility of, yeah, I would relinquish this life if it meant that others would flourish. Mm. I mean, I don't have to face that, but it is something that occurs to one at times, mm. right? Let's hope not too many people have to do that. The revolution will be uncomfortable. Let's hope it's relatively bloodless. <sighs> Let's give it a little bit of a leg up. Vote one, fucking jolly. <laughs> Victorian socialists and off keep Rose Ward happy. Uh, uh, off your yes, yes, um, because otherwise she has what she calls resting butch face. Um, it, this is her own um, naming of her unpleasant, disproving look. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Comrade Jolly. Off Comrade you pop, Racer, thank you. Off you pop. Uh, I'll have the, a good word with the Guardian about their wage rates. Uh, no, but yes, you're probably talking to a full-time employee. Off you pop, um, and do get people excited about thinking about things differently, if you can. Okay. You've been listening to Knackers and the Vag with Stephen Jolly from the Victorian Socialists.